Fan morning show. Final hour here. Yeah. Gunning and four far. Big day in baseball trade deadline coming up at six o'clock. And who better to talk about that? And let's be honest, I'm going to sneak in at least one golf question. <laughs> Uh, this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, a man who is very accomplished uh, on not only the baseball diamond, but the links as well. Uh, a golfer who always makes me love him. We welcome in John Smoltz now. John, how you doing today? Big day in baseball with the deadline. Good morning. Yeah, it always is. Um, this is a day where contenders have their eyes looking upwards thinking come on management we can do something to make us a little better and then you've got management trying to figure out you know how much to mortgage for the now and it's a it's it's a it's a complicated mess i'm sure if you're a general manager uh but for players there's a lot of hope and uh anticipation yeah, I was going to say, if you're a player, it's easy. It's like, uh, these guys aren't here. I've seen that guy play. Go get him. It uh, doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> but obviously, from the front office, a very, very different uh, equation. You know, the big news, uh, well, it's definitely the big news here. Safe to say, probably a pretty big piece of news across baseball is the health of Bo Bichette. He hurts his knee last night, leaves the game with right knee discomfort. Now, we have no idea what his health is like, you know, 24 hours after an injury like that. It's sometimes impossible to know. What would that do to a psyche of a team to have this lingering question right before the deadline of, you know, Bo Bichette isn't just their everyday shortstop. He leads the American League in hits. He is the, you know, one of the leaders on this team. What would it do to a team? to have a, you know, the question of an injury like that for uh, such a key player right before the deadline kind of lingering over their heads. Yeah, you know, you can always pick a player or two off of each team that you go, man, we really can't afford this guy to get hurt. We've seen it with New York and Aaron Judge. I mean, that's just a, an extreme case of a superstar that impacts a team so uh, negatively when he's not able to play. And the same can be said here in Toronto. I mean, Toronto, you know, believe me, I, w- I was so bored. I had my hip replaced, so I had nothing to do. And <laughs> I'm watching a lot of baseball. And, and so I decided I, I decided to look at, all right, this must be the streakiest baseball season I've ever, that I can remember. Meaning I see teams go on streaks. And so I just went through every team to see who was the streakiest team in baseball, who had the most balance, who was – you know, who could jump up and down, like, from last to first. You saw all these different moves. And really, for me, Toronto has got an interesting year. Um, they, up until, you know, recently, they only had two three-game losing streaks and two five-game losing streaks, and which isn't horrible, right, when you think about 162 games. and But they had four three-game winning streaks and four four-game winning streaks and a seven-game winning streak. So it tells me, obviously, the team's a pretty good team, and, what's the difference or what's what's missing that everybody's been wanting for Toronto to make that next jump. They came all so close, you know, a couple times. And, and I think adding a piece or two might be one of the things that are missing to get them to the end because um, their pitching staff now and the rotation is pretty solid. And can they get a consistent enough offense and, and, uh, and a little help in the bullpen? 
Yeah, trust me, we felt that roller coaster ride here in Toronto, uh, streaky, um, showing signs of, of life and of uh, puzzle pieces that are some of the best in the MLB. And then times where they just cannot hit with runners in scoring position, they could not string together two good bullpen performances. Uh, but when you look at today and you look at the idea of adding, the Blue Jays did add um, a really great uh, reliever or closer there with Jordan Hicks. Um, and I know right away it felt like there was some life in that locker room. The guys were saying, wow. It feels like we're really like in a good spot. This guy's a flamethrower and there was excitement about it. So today, if they add another piece, they add something, you know, not even close to Boba Shep, but uh, a piece that might help offset something. That locker room, like even just knowing that the ownership and that the team and the management believes in you being able to go big, like that can provide a boost of some sort. How tangible is looking around this locker room with new faces and thinking, wow, maybe this is our chance to to do something good here, to make a playoff push, to win more than one playoff game this upcoming season? Yeah, no, that would go a long way, you know, and, and they're facing them really Right now, this was a big. This is a big series, right? Because mm-hmm. you got your first place ball. Who, first of all, who thought we would say? And I and I've been on with Baltimore, going, who thought we'd say first place Baltimore <laughs> Orioles at this point in the season? So you got to give them credit for their balance and their consistency throughout the year has been unbelievable. And um, they show what balance is all about. And I think at times, you know, Toronto's offense can be really right-handed heavy in the in, in the in the lineup a lot of their meaty hitters and their great hitters are right-handed but they've 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 found a way um to add, you know to add hicks which is awesome and and, and it's going to help and if they can if they can find a way to to start feeling like they're as good as anybody in the american league then you you'll see a team that has a potential for a deep run but but in but that's something every team has to go through and and feel like they've hidden their warts. I say this all the time. When you start when you leave spring training, you know what your warts are. You hope that your offense covers if it's a defensive ward or or a, a bullpen issue. You hope you cover it long enough, but at some point it'll show up as you get closer to the end. And that's when you hope, you know, management can address it because it's inevitable on every team. Even the Baltimore Orioles fan base is trying to figure out who can they add and are they going to add. And they have the – I always say when you're the – when you have the best record in, in, in the league, it's kind of like a curse because your management can make a statement to say, we got the best record in the league for a reason. What do we need to add? Every team's always looking for starting pitching, and starting pitching is not a commodity that's easily found. Yeah, I want to I want to talk to you about the Orioles and the kind of uh, not conundrum, but you know the decision they have to make this year at the deadline. But you know you're as good a guy to ask about this because you've you've done both roles. You've started, you've closed as well. Uh, you know I was I was looking at uh, some of the stat pages for your Braves teams, and uh, most of the guy the you would lead the team in saves, and the next guy would have uh, two or three. So there wasn't a lot of competition for that role. And I know baseball is kind of different in the way we look at it, where, you know, the leverage spot could come in the seventh inning. How do you think a guy like Romano who is, you know, established, but still somewhat green in, in the league, or I shouldn't say green, but still, you know, coming into his own, how do you think he establishes to a guy like Hicks coming in who, you know, if you're just looking at it as a pure stuff basis, you can make the argument that he has the better stuff. You know, we forgot what the numbers are, but it's like, he has far, 
far and away the most pitches of 100 plus in the big leagues going back to 2018. Do you th- how do you think that him and Romano have to I don't know acknowledge the the elephant in the room for lack of a better term of you're you're both there to win but you also want to be a closer. How how do you think that that players deal with that and do you think it's kind of different in today's game? Oh, I definitely think it's different. Um I, I think, though, and I know, uh, you know, we're trying to rewrite a lot of history with uh, a lot of smart people thinking that, you know, you can move this piece here and do this piece there and, you know, checkerboard players. It doesn't always work. You know what works is when you've got a guy that's pretty darn good at the end of the bullpen and he gets the last three outs every single time. That's what works. <laughs> But if you get people to buy in, which is what they're trying to do, is buy into, hey, if I need you in the seventh, are you okay? And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So I think they'll coexist knowing that whatever the best scenario is for them moving forward to win games, they're going to be fine with it. It's in the off season when you start going, okay, now what? Um, because the reality of, of, of Hicks, uh, Romano's been there, done that. Hicks kind of has. And, you know, he definitely does have eye-popping stuff, but it's a different, it's a different fastball than what Hicks, than what Romano has. Actually, Hicks gives up more contact, believe it or not, with that fastball than Romano might because of the, the spin on it. And he throws a sinker, and yes, it's 100 miles an hour, and when it's good, you know, they don't square it up. But when it comes to that facet of, of the game, you know, you do have to figure out and talk to the player and make sure, you know, you're, you're, you're not damaging an ego in this, for the sake of, of – but everyone, everyone who usually gets to that spot goes, hey, hey, whatever it takes. But a lot of movement and a lot of pieces doesn't always work right away. You've got to give it a little bit of a second for guys to settle in to adjust. John, you had quite the accomplished career, uh, including a Cy Young um, Hall of Fame and a time All-Star. And there's a young kid on our team here, Alec Manoa, who was in the running for a Cy Young last year, um, has a bright future ahead of him, but also had a pretty tough start to this season. Um, What did you see with Alec Manoa and maybe some of the struggles that he was probably going through, um, you know, physically, but mentally as well, like having that incredible year and then having uh, the opposite of, um, of consistency this year and now working his way back into the Blue Jays rotation? Well, uh, kind of reminds me of my 1991 <laughs> when coming off of pretty good years, I had a little bit of a philosophical change. To be quite honest, I was really, really mad at a negotiation in an offseason <laughs> that didn't go very well. And I went out to prove the world wrong, and I started 2-11. and 11. And, you know, everybody wanted me kind of removed from the rotation. And I think back at that point in my life, if, if Bobby Cox wasn't my manager, what would have happened to my career? Well, he kept me in the rotation. I figured it out, went 12-2, and two, and the rest was history. And when you go through something like that as an athlete, you'll never forget it, and you'll be better for it. No one wants to go through that. And I think Alec Manoa is, a first of all, uh, his personality and the way that he goes about it, I thought was just the way he handled like the all-star game and just everything that came at him probably came at him pretty fast. And sometimes you think, well, this is the way it's always going to be. And this is cool. And, and, but when you hit it, when you hit a speed bump and the kind of train goes off the tracks, you gets a little shock to your system. And all of a sudden what becomes natural is not so natural. And I've always felt like his, his ability to throw strikes should always be there. When that leaves a pitcher, then you start trying to figure it out on the fly, and it doesn't always work. So 
what I'm saying is, is, is if he gets on the other side, which it looks like he is, this would be the, the best thing that ever happens to him um, moving forward. Because once you've gone through as low as a moment is this, you, you realize you can dig your way back out and, you know, you'll never look back. Fan morning show, uh, Gunning and Avis talking to uh, John Smoltz here. And, you know, I think that's a great point that you make about the struggles. You uh, you went through and obviously uh, you came out just just okay. I don't want to pump your tires too much. You had a pretty nice run after that. But you mentioned Bobby Bobby Cox there and what he, he did for you. Was it just the fact that he kept you in the lineup, kept you a part of the fold? I mean, obviously things got so rough yeah. for Manoa, that's not it. Or was there something else personality-wise? Because, you know, we talk about this in all sports with coaches and stuff. But with baseball, the manager, you know, from outside, I feel like we have the least idea as to as to what they do. Was it just the fact that he kept you in there, or was it something else that Bobby Cox did that, that kind of allowed you, or maybe it was a pitching coach, or maybe you worked through it on your own? Could you just kind of explain that process a little more for us? Yeah, I, I did work with a sports psychologist in line with, with what, you know, you go through slumps. I'll know that slumps sometimes can be physical, but a lot of times they can be mental. And when you go through a mental slump, you, you need to get out of that funk just like you would as a physical slump. But I'll tell you this about Bobby Cox and a manager. Look, we all as players will never admit it. We all go through the moment like, I stink. That guy stinks. He stinks. We all <laughs> lose confidence in each other. And it's because we play a game of failure. And it's 162, 162 games. And when the manager still has confidence, when you think you stink, that goes a long ways. That's like how, you know, he, that's incredible that, you know, a teammate could have confidence in me or somebody, because the reality of, if it is, we go through it. It's like, Oh man, like as a team, we stink, we're never going to win or this or that you get negative. And that's that mental slump that you go through. And, and everybody asks you questions. They're all critiquing everybody. We're always being judged on our wins and losses and this and that, and all these new age stats, um, it can be over-consuming. So once you realize that that's not the, the standard or the balance that you have to – you once you get balance in your life, again, from an athletic standpoint, it, it, it's way better. As you think about how athletes are. They all come together and they look around in the room and everybody's just as good as the next. And then you measure the room and you go, I know those guys are better than me. And when you hit low rock bottom – it's it's a, it's an awful. So yeah, I can go along managing the room, managing the egos, and just overall having confidence in you. John, we're we're almost losing you a little bit, so um, we'll see if we can keep a good connection. If not, we'll have to uh, reconnect. But I'll ask you a question here about Hanjin Ryu, who's making his uh, debut of the season this year after going through Tommy John surgery, and we have really no idea um, what kind of hurdles somebody has to uh, overcome to get back into a lineup, um, what kind of expectations we should have for a guy in his first time out, but also for the rest of this season. Uh, he has been a guy that has pitched incredibly well in his career. He's a little older in his career now, um, but we'll be trying to get a spot back in this rotation Uh, what do you expect from someone like Hanjun Ryu and in your time in the major leagues other players going through Tommy John surgery uh, what that's like slash what uh, hurdles he might have had to face in the last year yeah the hardest part is that there'll be some inconsistency and it's just natural because you are trying to come back you can't simulate a game your arm feels great you're going to have moments where everything looks good, and then you're going to have games where you just don't have the crispness. You don't have the fastball. Um, it's a progression, and it, it, it's, you know, 
there's a lot of myths around Tommy John. We all celebrate the successful ones, and we think that everybody, you know, if they're compromised, should have Tommy John because it's an ultimate fix. And it doesn't always go that way. We just remember the guys who are successful. We don't talk ever about the hundreds that never make it back. So for Ryu, he'll he'll knows how to pitch. That's the beautiful thing about if you have Tommy John and you've been in the big leagues for a while, that's a good thing, and you know how to pitch. So you know how to pitch with whether you're A stuff or your your B stuff, and that's what he'll he'll have to learn on the fly. And after this year, he'll be you know based on the way it works, you're, you're usually better off after coming back that short stint, finishing the year, normal off season, and then then typically you don't look back. But it's not as easy as some people remember it because we remember the guys that were successful long-term rather than uh, the beginning of it. And my beginning of it was horrible, and that, it led me to the bullpen. I I thought I was done because I thought I retore my elbow, but, you know, it, it led me to the bullpen, and the rest is crazy journey that I had. Yeah, it certainly was a uh, a wild one. You know, the team the Blue Jays are in a set with right now, the Orioles, I think they're at kind of the most interesting point uh, a team can be at in their kind of building cycle. This is not a group with promise. This is a group that's proven something, albeit for one year, but they've proven where they are in this division and some would say the hardest division in baseball. You know, how much do you think the players, you kind of talked about this in the clubhouse, are clamoring for some help? I imagine on one hand with a younger team, there's a little bit of, hey, we can do this. We've done this together. But on the other hand, you obviously want to get some help. Uh, what do you make of the decision the Orioles have here? I mean, they could kind of continue to build slowly, maybe wait another year before pushing more chips in. But I also think, you know, baseball can be so finicky and things like bullpens can disappear overnight. Uh, what do you expect the Orioles to do and how aggressive do you think they should be? Yeah, speaking of the young ball club, they probably will be numb to a lot of it. They know enough to know that, uh, I mean, it'd be great if they get a piece or two, but I don't think it'll affect a club like it affects like a veteran New York Mets club where it just crumbles all at once. They spend all this money. They got all this promise, and then you just lose, 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 and lose pieces. But to say what Baltimore has been able to do is, is probably ahead of the curve. And, you know, I know every management looks at, like, here's our window. Here's what we think we can do for the next five years. Look at our talent base. And when you stockpile, 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 it's, it's only good enough once you get to a point where now what are you going to do with those top, you know, studs in the minors that current guys are doing real well. Everyone wants depth, but at some point you got to give up something to go for it. And, and I don't know if that's the time frame that the Baltimore Orioles feel is now. Um, you know, if they made a difference maker and let's say, you know, they went and got a Jack Flaherty at the last minute because their young pitchers may run out of innings to get to the end of the day. I mean, they would love like every team to add one starter and one, one relief piece because their bullpen is as good as I've ever seen in a long time from a collection of arms. I mean, Statistically, they they struggled early, but man, they have been on fire late, and they pretty much play a baseball game now where if they've got the lead after seven, eight innings, it's over, and that's what you want. Like that's the feeling you want, and so I, I don't I don't know how much it'll impact them. I know the fan base is like, hey, there's no guarantees. We need somebody now, 
and the heck with five years from now, right? And mm-hmm. to your point, and I remember when this young crop of Toronto Blue Jays, offensively, this was going to be one of the greatest offensive teams that we ever saw based on potential. And you've seen the kind of roller coaster, how difficult it is, especially in this division. You know, if you don't get enough pitching, you can't out hit everybody and vice versa. So it's a complicated situation when you have a team that's flowing kind of like what Baltimore's doing right now and hard to explain because they're so young. That's that's where people scratch their heads and go, look at this team and look at our lineup and why aren't we doing this? And baseball can be very cruel, but these next give or take 12 hours uh, could put some joy in some clubhouses really fast. Yeah, let's zoom out a little bit from the AL East uh, and ask you a bit more league-wide if there's a team that really intrigues you today. Um, maybe it's the Angels who decided to hold on to Shohei Otani, maybe the best talent that we've ever seen, and and add uh, whether still not fully in a playoff spot. Is there someone or a team that you're really intrigued about the direction they do take over these next 12 hours? It kind of goes in the same lines with the Baltimore Orioles. I'm intrigued with the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. I, I didn't see this coming at all in the National League. I mean, they have been playing really – talk about streaky. Holy cow, it's been the most streaky year I've ever – they just – they <laughs> bounce back and forth. <laughs> and they're young and they're talented, and I'm sure that fan base has said, we've waited long enough, get us somebody, because that central is winnable, very winnable. And it's unlike the East, right? There's really not that balance. So they're intriguing to me to see what they do because they've got a core offensively. What I love about the game now is the rule changes is come in play to really take advantage of roster athleticism again. And you don't have to play bully ball all the time. You don't have to have the most money in your payroll. You can put pressure on the bases. You now can put the ball in play again. You watch the shift of baseball and the teams that take advantage of it with their athletic roster, and you're going to see other teams stuck in the mud because they've been built on this. We're going to slug our way. We're going to plot our way, and that's how we're going to win, and it's not going to be the formula anymore. I'm not saying you can't out-homer your your opponent and that homers still aren't really important. I'm saying that you take those bases and you show some athleticism like some of these teams are doing, you can play with anybody. Yeah, you uh, you certainly can. Uh, I was going to ask you how you're swinging it, but you dropped the you had hip surgery in here, so I guess you haven't been playing much, John. And I guess to that, I'm just going to say I'm sorry because I love the game of golf, and I know when you can't play, it's <laughs> terrible. So is that true? You're still on the IL, or are you going to get back out there soon? Oh, I'm uh, I'm headed to the course after this. Atta boy, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm definitely uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be try to become the best. Uh, chipper of the golf ball that you you know with this time that i have i got another couple weeks before i can really play um i had my left hip replaced five months ago and it did great and my right one uh was done two weeks today um so um i'm uh i can't walk through airport security anymore but uh (laughs) i think i'm going to be able to return to working out and doing physical things again because it has been a grind um, the last three years. Uh, that is awesome. Wow. But uh, hey, a little time that you're forced to work on the short game, that definitely <sighs> never hurt uh, anybody. It'll be, like your, uh, it'll be like your rehab assignment, and then you'll be ready to go in a couple weeks' time, hopefully. John, really, really appreciated this. Thanks so much for uh, jumping on with us. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Sarah.
There he goes, John Smoltz, that insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Truly a one-on-one in yeah. the game. Yeah. Like just, oh, ho-hum, Cy Young winner who also had 50-plus saves in a season, 40-plus multiple times, you know, part of the three-headed pitching monster of the 90s, great Braves team, awesome on the call, good golfer. It's not to famer. like about this guy. Hall of Famer. What's not to like? And, Literally uh, nothing. Daniele wrote a good note down here that in 2022, Tiger Woods <laughs> said Smoltz and former Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo were the best golfers he'd played with among athletes from different sports. Mm. That's a pretty high praise. I think that's Hall of Fame praise. I think that's what spurned Steph Curry to this golfing run he's on. He's like, True. I got to get on Smoltz and Romo's level. Yeah, I need Tiger to praise me. Um, I mean, it's as good a goal as any to have in life. Double hip replacement. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm going to the there. course. I had my hip replaced two weeks two ago. Weeks ago. <laughs> I had hip surgery right when I was in university. I didn't have a hip replacement, so very different. But I had hip surgery, and I was out. Like, I took the whole season off. I cannot even imagine, like, trying to walk fast can two you, weeks after. Can like, you imagine oh. being John Smoltz's doctor? And, you're like, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he has a great doctor. <laughs> yeah. But that guy's probably got a practice where he's yeah. seeing accountants and lawyers. Oh, yeah. And then in comes old Hall of Famer. He's like, hey, when can I get back on the course? I need activity in my life. Oh, man. that He's like, not two weeks from now, but okay. Yeah, when he said when he said five months ago he had the hip, I was like, oh, okay, that's like tracking. Yeah, and then like, he's like, I could do that. Two weeks ago, though, the other one. Just uh, a madman. Good on him. I, I wasn't allowed it. to skate I for it. six months after my surgery. Can you imagine the itch he has? Oh, like, Because yeah. we've, like, you've, I experienced this when I was at the very wonderful Joe Carter Classic. Mm-hmm. If I'm sitting at the course and I can't play it. <laughs> It's like he has clubs in his hand. Yeah. He's chipping and he can't do it. Uh, I love that with Smoltz. He's probably watched so much video though. So much. So much well, he tape. said he got bored. Yeah. He went through just and the, looked streaks at the streaks that everybody of had. What a guy. We We're, should just we should have given him tasks. We're going streaking. Yeah. Shout out to Will Ferrell. There you go. Uh, all right. Final half hour of the Fan Morning Show coming up next. Jeff Blair, Costa Blair and Barker uh, will round up our uh, pre-trade deadline. Our Bobachette panic hour. Yes. Let's call uh, a spade a spade here. I hope he's not panicking because if no, he's he he will tell, oh, calm down. You're going to find Perfect. out tonight. That's what he'll say. That's good. And then J.D. Bunkus podcast on from 9 to 10. Blake will do a three-hour Blue Jays talk from 10 to 1. Fan drive time will slot in next 1 to 4. And then Blair and Barker will round up your day 4 to 7 during the trade deadline, which is at 6 p.m. Eastern, so they can cover all the trades live and then re- uh, cap it all before 7 p.m. First pitch. Ryu making a season debut versus Bradish in game two of Jays and Orioles. All of that to come. Uh, Jeff Blair joins us to wrap up our show on the Fan Morning Show with Gunnar and Ailish, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final half hour on the fan morning show before we send you off to enjoy your MLB trade deadline day. 6 p.m. Eastern. It all wraps up and maybe there's some new Blue Jays in the blue and white or red, which is a cursed jersey clearly because they can't win in those. Maybe maybe they sell that off. They trade that away forever. 
No more red jerseys. A lot of people would love that. Me, Some, indifferent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems a little I cursed. think once a year is great. I think they should wear them every year on Canada Day, and, and then okay, they can I go agree. away. That's uh, once a year. It was strange that we saw them yesterday, and then Bobachette got hurt, so maybe there's something there. Let's talk to Jeff Blair, host of Blair and Barker, joining us this morning. How's it going, Jeff? Great. I'd burn the red jerseys. Perfect. In a Case heartbeat. closed. Whatever Jeff Blair wants, we will um, abide by because, you know, we need You to... being grouchy about something? I am floored, no. Jeff. No, I'm, not, I'm not grouchy. It's, it's such a great uniform. Why change it? Yeah. You're Don't right. disagree. You're right. Um, how are we feeling this morning about Beau Bichette? Uh, anxious, mm. nervous. Um, that's probably, that probably <laughs> sums it up. I'd be interested to know what went through Ross Atkins' uh, mind the second that he saw Bo pull up. You know, just about everything you know about Bo um, would suggest to you that it was a serious injury. Just the Mm -hmm. way he stopped, the fact he gave up on the play. And, you know, I was talking to Caleb Joseph about this yesterday. Um, I covered an Expos game where Moises Alou broke basically broke every bone in his leg both bones in his leg i mean it was a it was a horrible injury just literally landing on first base and i remember that greg jeffries was the first baseman and he had to tag him to end the play and he wouldn't do it and the first base umpire told him no you have to tag him to, to end the play and i almost i almost had a flashback last night because you could tell that jorge mateo he has the ball, and it's like he didn't want to tag Bo. He knew he had to tag Bo because the play was over, so he kind of goes over and touches him. And as Caleb said, watching the reaction of the dudes on the field, like the guys who've played, your initial reaction is you know, probably some type of ligament injury. Now, yeah, obviously you have to wait until they do an MRI. It's interesting that... You know, John Schneider yesterday, I mean, he didn't even go with the usual. He's certainly Mm day-to-day. It was basically as close as you're going to hear a manager say no comment about an injury. So um, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, it's uh, this is a guy who plays plays every day and, you know, takes a bazillion grounders every day and won't take a day off. So if to see him, you know, I guess the positive thing is he left the field on his own uh you know under his own steam but um yeah anxious is is the watchword okay so they've got uh, less than 12 hours to make some decisions we had john morosi on a little earlier in the show and he felt pretty certain that the blue jays would find a way to try to supplement um the bobachette loss whether it's going to be a two week a, a month or a season ending injury um how do you think they approach that is it internal is it uh through an acquisition and of course we understand that there's no bobachette out there to actually fill that void but they might have to try yeah i mean i'm not certain it necessarily changes what they need to do. They need to get, they need to change the complexion of this lineup. Ideally, even with a healthy Bo Bichette, you'd probably want two more, two different hitters in after the trade deadline. That doesn't mean that they're guys who are going to play every day. Somebody who can take at bats away from Dalton Varsho and, and maybe, maybe even, maybe even Brandon Belt. I think that was the plan all along, uh, regardless of what happened to Bo. Certainly, the fact that Bo is hurt, I would, I would think, would maybe tend to skew your focus a little bit towards shortstop, somebody like a Tim Anderson or a, 
or a, uh, a Paul DeYoung of the, the Cardinals. I mean, that would... At, at best, you know, hopefully be stopgap with the possibility of uh, of Tim Anderson obviously moving to the bench when Bo Bichette comes back. Uh, but, you know, every trade deadline we see somebody get moved that wasn't part of the rumor mill. And there's so many things at play this year that we haven't seen in the past. You know, 21, I think 21 teams within five and a half games of a playoff spot. The Yankees and Mets both a mess. We haven't really seen that in a in a while. It usually, usually it doesn't happen in the same year. You know, the Boston Red Sox slow playing a market when they've got the best lineup in baseball, and they're on the verge of getting one of the best lineups in baseball, and they're on the verge of getting three pitchers back. There's just a lot of weirdness going on there right now, and that almost makes me think that there may be a pretty significant position player in play that we're not aware of. And look, the Jays, they're not going to have Matt Chapman next year. They're probably not going to have Kevin Kiermaier next year. Hopefully they don't have Brandon Belt next year. They've got at least three openings for the 2024 season. We know they like to acquire controllable players. If I'm the Blue Jays, I'm looking to add somebody right now with two or three years major league experience, somebody that I'll have for a couple of years somebody who just changes what I have in my lineup right now, and I'm kind of willing to do whatever it takes to get that dude when it comes to my prospects. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, and this is easy to say now, given the way he's performing, but even if we talk about an earlier version of this player this season, it's like go out and make your Whit Merrifield trade, right? An established guy who can play ideally a couple of different positions. You know, the other thing I do wonder, and you kind of touched on this with the idea that it doesn't necessarily have to be a middle infielder, although, you know, depending on what they do there, maybe it tells us a little something about Bichette. Let's say they do just choose, or do you think there's a world where they just choose to address it via replacing Bo's bat. And it is some combination of Biggio and Merrifield and Espinal. And maybe this is crazy to think, but any of the 800 middle infielders they have at AAA in Buffalo, do you think it has to be a middle infielder who comes in? Or maybe, like you said, it is just a, it's a bat. You know, you mentioned the Red Sox there. They moved Hernandez. So I don't know how willing they are to sell, but it's like a guy like Adam Duvall, you know, maybe he makes some sense for this team. Like, does it have to be a middle infielder or can they just get by with the defense of the kind of middle infield guys they have now and then just replace the bat somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's more important to get the bat. Uh, yeah, ob- look, I mean, if, if Bo Bichette needs surgery and is out for the rest of the year, um, that changes the complexion of things. You know, it's entirely possible given the way medicine is now. You know, and a ligament injury doesn't necessarily mean you're done for the year. It can mean that you're done for four weeks. Uh, it depends on the treatment that's necessary. It, you know, it is August, so you do have a certain amount of runway. But I think the most important thing is to keep focusing on getting in, getting in a couple of bats that are going to change, that are going to make this lineup harder to pitch to. You know, I keep going back to what the Atlanta Braves did a couple of years ago, and they made a bunch of deals, and everybody kind of went, yeah, okay, well, that's kind of... I guess that's kind of okay. That's kind of interesting and doesn't really move the needle. But they ended up going on and winning the World Series because they put together a lineup that had a bunch of dudes 
with different weaknesses and different strengths, and that took an hour and a half to game plan for every day because, you know, it wasn't just, oh, here's another right-handed hitter who can't ha- handle a high fastball. Oh, here's another right-handed hitter who can't handle a high fastball. It was a whole bunch of guys who couldn't do a whole bunch of things but could do a whole bunch of things, right? And I, and I think that's ultimately the approach that the Blue Jays want. Like, it's easy to say they don't hit with runners in scoring position. Go and get somebody who hits with runners in scoring position. I don't know if that's necessarily, a, you know, a skill. I mean, you know, Tommy Pham is a decent hitter with runners in scoring position. Does, you know, does that make him an immediate, an immediate upgrade? Offensively, maybe. Defensively, though, it doesn't. So I, I think there's this, the need to bring in a couple of bats. I'm sure they'll probably add another bullpen arm just because you can. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, and then address the Bo Bichette situation, which, yeah, they have, it seems like they have a million and one middle infielders, <laughs> but it also seems as if despite having a million and one middle infielders, they still have Santiago Espinal and Kevin Vigio here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a guy like Addison Barger, I don't know if he's necessarily made enough progress at AAA to bring him up. Otto Lopez is a guy. Um, so it, it'll be, it, it will be interesting. But if, if I'm Ross Atkins, in the very least, you know, if I can bring in somebody who can, somebody who can contribute in some way offensively and play shortstop and be capable of moving to another position should Bo come back or when Bo comes back, let's be optimistic about this, that would be the, the ultimate scenario. John Morosi mentioned uh, Davis Schneider as someone to maybe keep, not keep an eye on, but uh, an option. Um, we were going to talk to Casey Kandel, the Bison's manager today. We didn't get a chance to, but uh, your understanding of where he's at, I mean, we don't really say his name too much on this show. You guys are obviously a lot more in-depth with the Blue Jays and their prospects, but a Davis Schneider-type name for the Blue Jays to look forward to maybe sometime soon? Yeah, hopefully next year, maybe mm-hmm. in spring training. Um, I mean, he's kind of a smallish guy. He he could be this year's Nathan Lucas. <laughs> Nathan Lucas was great last year at AAA. Couldn't get a sniff here. Uh, and Nathan Lucas got a sniff here this year, and we're seeing why he didn't get a sniff here last year, to be honest. I, I'm, you know, look, people look at AAA stats. They see a couple of games in Buffalo. They go, ooh, this guy looks really good. Uh, and and it's, it's possible. You do see guys come out of organizations who can be contributors. I'm, I'm not going to diminish somebody like Davis Schneider. But uh, you got to do better. And you're supposed to, you know, the plan was to win the World Series this year. If Davis Schneider was that good, he would have been up here by now. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to you have to look beyond that, and you know if if at some point you need to make a bunch of moves and maybe you you trade Espinal or Biggio as part of what you're doing this at the trade deadline. Although I can't see they trade Espinal now, but maybe you move one of those guys. Maybe Davis Schneider comes up here as a 26 guy, but the idea that he's going to come up and be an everyday player, um, if he was that good, given how bad this team has been. In 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 some of its offensive situations, if he was that good, he, he'd probably be up here by now. Yeah, you would certainly uh, you would certainly hope to uh, hope to see that there. Uh, just uh, in terms of the the team going forward, uh, Jordan Hicks, we didn't see him in the game last night. We saw him get hot. Uh, do you are you surprised he didn't get used last night? I mean, I know there were some other leverage spots, and then uh, actually, sorry, I realized where I wanted to go with this. It wasn't the Jays pen? It was the uh, it was the Orioles. I know that they ended up 
you know, the Baltimore ended up winning the game. And I'm not talking about what it means for the bulk of this series. Obviously, you can make the back end of a team's pen work the way the Jays made them work. It's going to bode well over the next three days. But do you think there's any kind of psychological impact of that? I mean, these are teams that I think both of them would hope they're going to battle each other at the top of this division for not just this year, but, you know, a handful of seasons going forward. Do you think it kind of does anything for the Jays to be pushing Batista and Cano in those spots? And again, I know they didn't win the game, uh, but they certainly made a sweat it and they certainly made him work. No, you know, listen, that that's a great point. And further to that point, take a look at what the Jays have done to Yenia Cano this year. I think he's given up eight hits in three games. He's walked four batters. I mean, they've they've made him work. He's had a, a more difficult time against the Blue Jays than just about any other team. And, you know, same with Felix Batista. It 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 seems as if as if every year the Blue Jays have a certain amount of success against a really good team's bullpen. It doesn't necessarily mean they win all the games, but they do tend to drive up pitch counts. They do tend to make pitchers work. And if there was if there was a positive takeaway from that game last night, you know, other than Whit Merrifield continuing to to do what he's doing, it was the fact that they did make that bullpen work. And yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but the final out of the game with two men on base was Santiago Espinal. In that situation, Bo Bichette is coming to the plate mm-hmm. against a tiring, if he wasn't hurt, that would have been his spot in the order against a tiring Felix Bautista. I, I mean, you have to like your chances. It would certainly be, you, you wouldn't pick, uh, you couldn't pick a better Blue Jay to be up against him in that situation. Speaking to Jeff Blair, host of Blair and Barker, uh, you'll be on four to seven today for Blair and Barker. Um, extended time to make sure you get some trade deadline, which is at six p.m. Eastern um, tonight. We will have Hunjin Ryu's debut um, of this season after coming off Tommy John surgery. What are you expecting um, for Hunjin Ryu? Not only today, but moving forward, uh, big spot against the Orioles at home uh, to come back into the lineup. It's a, it's a big one for him. Yeah, I'm. It's it's hard to tell with a guy that age coming back from this injury. You know, a guy who's velo. I mean, it's not his calling card to begin with. I think you would like to see all the reports about his velocity being one to two miles an hour above what he was throwing when we last saw him. You'd probably like to see that. Listen, this bullpen's deep enough right now that I'm at the point where if Manoa and Ryu can give me five. I'm happy. That 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 is a success. Uh, I will take that five five innings with a chance of either of either having the lead or being one or two runs down. I would take that from from both of those guys. Beyond that, uh, it, it's odd. I mean, he he's lost a ton of weight. He looks really good. Uh, you know, everybody says his bullpen sessions have been great. Um, what we're seeing. This year is something we haven't seen, or what we will see this year is something we haven't seen from Hyunjin Ryu since he's been with the Blue Jays, and that he's going to be motivated as hell because his contract ends this year. And yeah, he's an older guy, but he's pitching for a new deal next year. I don't get any sense that he thinks he's going to retire. So there's a financial imperative for Hyunjin Ryu to be really good. And if you can come in and have some success, Pitching for a team in the American League East in the middle of this race, somebody will offer you a pretty decent contract next year. 
Yeah, it's uh, certainly a good spot to set yourself up for a payday, uh, but that all begins tonight with the start against the Orioles. You can watch it on Sportsnet. You can listen right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, but before you do either of those things, check out Blair and Barker at 4 o'clock trade deadline edition. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much. Always appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Ailish. Have fun today. There he he goes, (laughs) Jeff Blair, who, uh, you know, I don't, I don't usually like to brag on the air, but said I asked a good, Yo, or I don't know if it was a good question or I made a good point, but either or that, that should be the breakout vid from today's show. Not anything John Schmoltz had to say, but that yeah. I did a good baseball, I according to Jeff Blair. I saw in your eyes, and th- I, that was In my eyes, you moment. saw the back of my head, because I was whooping it up to the guys <laughs> by the glass. I was uh, so excited there. Oh, you know, goodness. and I'm just going to, I'm just, you're, you're on vacation. You sit back, you relax. I'm grabbing the wheel. Let's go. Time for a little wake and rake. Let's do it. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. So I think I, you know, we've been talking in the break. Just, you know, pulled back the curtain mm-hmm. just a hair here. You've been you've been accusing me of being a little low energy today. No way. No, no, you have, and that's okay. I can take, I'm Never. a big boy. I could take the criticism. I think what it is, is I don't know about you if you're a, like, are you, when you're in a car, are you more often a driver or a passenger? A uh, driver. Okay. Do you feel a little different when you're the passenger? Yeah, I guess you do. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm when I'm in here, a lot of times I'm driving the bus and I was yeah. a passenger. So you know what? I was just like, yeah, you whatever. Go. Get you, in there. You do it. I'm just sitting back. I'm passenger princess. I'm eating <laughs> snacks. I'm, passenger I'm, princess I'm navigating. Is so fun. I'm that. navigating. I can help you get there, yeah, yeah. but you're really driving the bus. So I think that's what happened. Before we get into picks for tonight, mm-hmm. you were giving out division odds. I was giving out division odds. World Series odds. Ooh. Blue Jays. Yesterday, they were 14 to 1. Today, at the book I'm looking at, 15 to 1. I see so a little, 16 to 1. Okay, so I'm just saying, if you if you are a believer in Bichette's knee, and you're a believer in this team... Healing. Go get that now, before news like comes that. out about the deadline, or news comes out about his knee. Now, having said that, the news could be bad, so careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to, uh, to include that in there. I, I like them as a feel... Some, it seems weird to say, but I feel way better about their World Series odds than I do their odds to win the division within the season. I guess it's just the uh, the amount of runway they they have left uh, there. So, uh, fam, wake and rake, always love to do it. I'm going to give my pick right now. Okay. I really, really just racked my brain for this one. And by that, I mean the Yankees suck and the Rays <laughs> limit runs. Yep. Let's do that again. It's at the exact same number, and I have to pay a little bit more. It's minus 120. I think it was minus 110 today. Mm. But just give me the Rays and Yankees under eight and a half. Just let me do that. I love it because I'm doing the exact same thing I did yesterday as well. Um, Over in the first five innings for four and a half, um, Hunjin Ryu is making his debut. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he's going to blow up, but I'm saying that they might get a couple runs off him. Also, the Baltimore Orioles are pretty good at offense, and the Blue Jays (laughs) might want to come out today with a little oomph because uh, they might be missing Bo Bichette, and maybe George Springer needs to pull up and do what he needs to do. Um, Okay, so then I'm going to go over in the first five innings, uh, over four and a half in Blue Jays' Orioles. So we have one lonely submission, just one today. Oh, man. Rotten and Port Hope always. Corey and Port Hope just keeping us alive. And he likes Ray's money line versus the Yankees. So I guess we're just fading the Yankees today, and I love it. That's fine. I, I you know, it was funny. We were talking about this with, uh, I guess it would have been Morosi. Mm-hmm. And I hope the Yankees never fire Aaron Boone. I just hope it's like his penance. He's chained there forever. He's going to have to manage that team for 30 years, explaining why 18 strikeouts is a good offensive <laughs> yeah. night from his team. 
I hope I honestly hope they never fire him. I hope he's a manager for a thousand years because sad slash angry Aaron Boone is uh, among my favorite things in life. Oh, goodness. All right, let's do our parlay here. Under eight and a half in the Rays and Yankees and the Rays to win. So a little same game parlay parlayed with over four and a half in the first five Orioles and Jays. That's plus 547. All right. It's not as rich as yesterday. No, it's okay. But uh, yesterday we did remove George Springer uh, from true. ours accidentally. So it definitely was rich. It so was, it was like it was like a, a mini win for us. Oh, Brandon from Keswick just texted in Cubs money line. I looked at that, but they're playing the Reds. That's going to be a fun game. Mm. Both teams are going for it. Uh, Reds are just so fun to watch. So you can do that one on your own accord. Have at it. Uh, have at it. Uh, love the people in Keswick. Love Brandon yeah. for texting in. Love but, my uh, Keswick squad. Sneak it in a little sooner. Yeah, and then that's maybe true. You could be, uh, a we probably forgot there. to remind everybody as well. Today. All right. Uh, so fun day. Fun mm-hmm. couple days with you. Yes. I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a good better. good dalliance here. And you're <laughs> off. You're right. You're going to pack yourself in the car mm-hmm. driving because you're the boss. For an 18-hour drive tomorrow, I'll be up at on the road at 3 a.m. listening. Wow. I'll listen to our it's girl Amy ch- Lawrence and then choice. you guys. And I'll be just scooting east across the country for two weeks. So uh, I'll be back in two weeks, guys. Uh, that is awesome. I uh, I will be here with, uh, we all heard it last time he was in here. Sammy. Sammy Key. Uh, yeah, so tune in tomorrow because. I can't wait. It, there's a, I, I want to be clear. I hope this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's a chance I do a morning show with him. Fresh off of him finding out that Bo Bichette's injury is bad and the Blue Jays didn't do enough at the deadline. So you thought he was cranky before. Oh, boy. Just saying. Me, it's on the other hand, listen to. I'm always you are. moderately happy. at the ver- You I'm, are always. I am, I'm appearing happy at the very <laughs> least. There's simming anger at all times. And if you poke and prod, you can find it. Uh, but I'll be bringing the positivity. Hopefully the Jays do the same. Again, loaded day on the station. Tons of coverage all day long. Bunk fun. coming up after this. Then you got Blake. Then you got Blair and Barker, just a lot to shepherd you through until the <laughs> deadline tonight. What do you think? Big I think move, moderate. Give I'm me saying a, two Blue Jays moves. Okay, two Blue Jays moves. I think we get two moves as well, and I think they're both going to be moderately underwhelming. Okay. I don't think it's going to be Tim Anderson. Right. I don't think it's going to be something like that. But I also think that probably bodes well for Bichette's knee. Uh, Ailish, thanks so much for welcoming me in. I will hold down the fort while right. you're gone. Bunk, get in here. You're up next. Fan Morty <laughs> Show wraps up on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan.